0: It is so good. And um, Jacob, thank you for for speaking and challenging our church and speaking into our church. Um, So thankful that you made the drive and and did that. And uh, and I give a big amen to everything Jacob said to us. Um, And also campus outreach representative that spoke um, reminding us and as I look at this slew of college students to my left, like reminding us that all ministry we do must be inside and a part of the local body, the local church. We don't do anything apart from Christ's bride, uh, apart from His church. Uh, Christ's church is God's plan A, B, C, and D to get the gospel to the nations. There's there's no other way. And so I'm thankful to be a part of a church that believes that and, um, and also supports that and gets behind that. Um, it's just glorious. So, so, so good. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John 20, 21. And if you see this beautiful artwork behind me, that's done by our own Christian Dunn, and I'm thankful he's going to be doing that kind of stuff for us all Advent season. Uh, so you can tell him you're appreciative of his, his work. Um, I will say I've gotten several comments about the way I'm dressed today, uh, <laughs> which is I'm thankful for, but in the year that I've been here, I, this is the first time I'm receiving those compliments. So <laughs> either everybody that dresses this way always gets those compliments, or I normally dress like a slob. That's what I'm taking in. Whatever. Um, for this Advent season... Uh, We have decided to preach a sermon series based on a wonderful song that many of you know. We've we've sung many times at Grace Fellowship called, He Who is Mighty. And uh, the song says this. The song says, He who is mighty has done a great thing. He's taken on flesh, conquered death's sting, shattered the darkness, and lifted our shame. Holy is his name. And uh, so for this Advent season, what we're going to be doing is taking the next four weeks uh, and and bringing up the themes mentioned in that song, taking a week for each theme. And I think you're really going to enjoy that as we we dig into some of those uh, phrases. But to get there, uh, today we'll be looking at a scripture uh, that will actually transition us well in several ways. It'll transition us from the book of Acts, which we won't pick up again until February, uh, into our commissioning service today, for these three that God has called, and also catapult us right into advent. So uh, I'm thankful for John 2021, 20, because it does all those things. So if you will, look at your Bibles, and we'll read this passage together, <clears throat> John 2021, 20, Jesus said to them again, "Peace be with you." As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, I want us to read that again together. Will you do that with me? We're going to read that together, and we're actually going to begin with peace be with you. So let's read it together. Here we go. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. All right, let's do that one more time. All right? But this time, I want you to hold up a finger for each part you hear. And I'll give you a hint. There's three of them. Okay? So let's try this. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Very good. (laughs) Father, would you please help these words sink deeply into our heart that we may Receive the peace found only in your son, Jesus. Amen. So, church, today is a commissioning service, as you've heard us talk through and you've heard the testimonies. Uh, what this means is that we are officially uh, affirming as a church the, and celebrating the call that God has placed on the lives of Taylor, Anna, and Ethan, Taylor and Anna to northern Mexico. With to every tribe and Ethan to New Zealand through campus outreach. Uh, but as I mentioned, today's service is also the beginning of Advent. Advent is the joyous anticipation of the coming of Christ. As New Covenant Christians, we know that Christ has come, and this is what we celebrate during this season. We remember Uh, through our nativity scenes and all the different ways uh, that he is born by the Virgin Mary. He's delivered in a manger, sometimes placed in a feeding trough, wrapped in swaddling cloths. We know that he's going to live, die, resurrect, and ascend, do all of this to accomplish our redemption. And as we think back on this beautiful event that happened in history, it's important that we also think ahead and anticipate his second coming when he will come and make all things new. Amen? So this leaves us in a place and time between these two events in history. And this place has been referred to many times as the already but not yet. You've heard this? Already. Jesus has accomplished all that is needed to rescue and redeem a people for himself, uh, calling us out of darkness into light. And and as our passage tells us, to bring peace. But not yet has this become fully known. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For we now see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For I now know in part then i shall fully know even as i have been fully known so this is the context for our passage this morning during the time between the first and second coming of christ we have been given a mission from jesus and that's what he's delivering here to us in this passage in john 20:21 20, we see this mission spelled out more specifically, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, known as the Great Commission. Also in Acts 1-8, when he says, I'll empower you with my spirit. You'll be witnesses and go out. But our passage is especially significant for this moment in our church today. So what I want to do this morning is I want to work backwards through this passage. That's one of the reasons I had you go 1, 2, 3, because we're going to start and go 3, 2, 1. You with me? So, if you can remember, what was 3. Even so, I'm sending you. Let's begin there. Just want that to settle Jesus' words. Even so, I'm sending you. I'm sending you, is what he says. Very clear. Victorious, resurrected Jesus that has accomplished his mission stands before his followers and says this. I am sending you. Now, what is he sending them to do? He's sending them to pronounce, to testify, to witness to the work that he has accomplished. And to point people to himself that they would be saved. Not by trusting in themselves or their worthless idols, but by trusting in the risen Savior King. And this will be their role, their mission, until they see him face to face, either by dying or his return. It's wild to me how much the first church really believed he was going to come back any day. That's kind of lost with us 2,000 years later, isn't it? But, church, this is really simple. There's not much explaining to do with this part of the text. You and I have been given a job, a task, but more importantly, a privilege. A privilege that I personally believe makes the angels jealous. We have been commissioned to go throughout all the earth and pronounce the good news that Jesus is Lord. (laughs) to tell the whole world that this is good news because this Lord, this King, died for sinners. (laughs) That he may dwell with them for eternity in a place that he is preparing where there will be not ever another tear shed, where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more suffering forever and ever and ever And church, this is not a fairy tale that you read to your kids. This is real. This is the truth, and this is the gospel that he's called us to proclaim. But here's here's what I don't want. I don't want us, as we commission these three this morning, to think that it's just them who are going out to evangelize and church plant. We have all been called to this work. All of us. Jacob said this already, we all play different roles in this task, but everyone's role is important and must be carried out, must be. This past week, I began somehow reading about the Michael Jordan documentary that was released earlier this year. Some of you have probably seen it called The Last Dance. I read an article about the executive producer who thought up the idea and spent months, months, planning and thinking about how to even approach Michael Jordan with the idea. Uh, And the reason he did this was because many people have approached Jordan in the past with this same idea, and he's turned all of them down. But finally, this guy gets a meeting with Air Jordan where he puts his best pitch forward, and Jordan agrees to do it. (laughs) Now, here's where I believe that somehow the world has got a step on the church. In the church, that guy who thought up the idea, made the plan, and got Jordan to sign off on it would begin then doing all the rest of the work to make the documentary happen. He would direct it. He would film it. He would gather the props needed, and we would all sit back and go, you do your thing, my man. But in the movie industry, that doesn't happen. Like, in fact, the very video, the first video I actually watched in the documentary was one where the director was being interviewed about the documentary. And he was so passionate about the film. Like, He told how he had actually memorized every single line of all 10 episodes. He could tell you it just from memory because of the number of times he had went back and edited the documentary. So you have to realize how surprised I was after watching him be so passionate about this documentary, but then to realize it wasn't even his idea. It wasn't even his thought. It wasn't even his plan. He was executing, but in his executing this documentary, he had gotten so, so passionate. And to know that from that director, there are hundreds of others that were just that passionate about that documentary. Church, we need to wake up. Like Grace Fellowship and the regional church and the universal church church. We need to wake up. Normally, when we see someone getting excited about something within the church, like getting the gospel to the unreached, we say things like, well, I guess it's obvious, you should go. What? Like, this is so confusing. Why does someone's passion about something that we should all be filled with passion about somehow set them apart For that task, it doesn't make sense. Like every believer should burn with passion to see people who haven't embraced Jesus do so. (laughs) Every believer. We should all be so passionate about that. And our hearts should break when they're not. Just this past week, my wife and I sat in a restaurant in Nashville. And there was live music happening and my wife is sitting there and it was loud. (laughs) And she's just looking around and I said, what are you thinking? And she said, my heart breaks because I see in the eyes of so many of these people, they're looking and searching for things that will not satisfy them. And I praise God that me and my wife went out that night and the Lord spoke to her in that way. and I pray that he would continue speaking us, to us all in that way. There is a lost world out there that needs to hear the gospel. And we all play a role in getting the gospel to them. Some of us will be stagehands. Some will be directors. Some will be producers. Some will be cameramen. But all of us should be equally as passionate about this task. All of us. Why? Because Jesus said, I am sending you. We have all been sent by Jesus, not all to do the same thing, but to all play a part. And church, may we never lose sight of our purpose here in this moment, in the already but not yet. Now, before he commissions us, before he says that, he gives us a glimpse into what this sending will look like. And this is the second thing. Remember moving backwards? He says, I'm sending you just as the Father sent me. Now, this is significant. And a lot of times we miss the significance. Well, what does that mean? Just as the Father sent me. I mean, we all know that Christ's work differs somewhat from our work. I mean, he, he came to Wrought salvation. He came to die for the sins of the world. We don't necessarily do that. So, but what does he mean by this? Well, Jesus was sent by the Father as a humble, suffering servant. That's how Jesus was sent. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger or stable with animals. He worked as a carpenter with his hands, fashioning wood. He comes from the town of Nazareth. Remember back in John 1 you got this guy Nathaniel, and he actually says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So, in a world where everyone wants to be great, we see the Son of God entering into the world in the lowliest of ways. Lowliest of ways. Jesus doesn't choose the path of worldly greatness. In fact, in Matthew 20, Jesus' disciples thought that following the true king of Israel would grant them greatness. And so they came to Jesus requesting honor. They wanted to sit at his right hand. But here's what Jesus tells them. He says, I've not come to be served. That's not why I've come to earth. But I've come to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And Jesus never downplayed or preached a bait-and-switch type gospel in front of people. He always was very upfront with anyone who wanted to follow him that they needed to count the cost. Letting them know that choosing to follow him was an invitation to die. That's what he means when he says, take up your cross and follow me. Come and die. And promised them, he promised them that they would suffer on behalf of his name. Because no servant is greater than his master. So church, let us never be taken off guard thinking, woe is me because I'm dealing with this. Church, this life is not our best life. It's not. And maybe that's part of the reason we find ourselves so frustrated at times when it seems like nothing is working out for us. Could it be that our focus is so easily distracted from the mission that Jesus has given us to all the little trinkets of this world? I know for me that's usually the case. So let us repent daily, asking God to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and now is seated at the right hand of God. That's our hope. That's what's going to get us through this life. Not focusing on all the different trials and struggles and tribulations that we deal with, but focusing on Christ, the glorious, resurrected, seated on his throne, Christ, who has promised us to the one who perseveres, he will dwell with me. Let us focus there. Church, there is no greater importance to your life. I want you to hear this no greater importance to your life than the fact that you have been sent just as Jesus has been sent. Our role as humble, suffering servants who proclaim the good news of Jesus is the most important aspect of our lives. You were born again for this. (laughs) Born to live a life that preaches And embodies the peace that only Jesus Christ brings. And that peace is right where we're going to finish today. In our passage, Jesus states again for the second time in this chapter, peace be with you. This gets us to the beginning of the passage now. Peace be with you. He'll pronounce this phrase one more time in this chapter when he presents himself to Thomas because Thomas would, didn't show up to the first gathering. That's a call for all you people who don't come to gatherings. You never know what you're going to miss. Make sure you're here. Just kidding. But here's the thing. We shouldn't think that this is some generic welcome that Jesus gives. Peace be with you. This isn't a generic welcome. This is a pronouncement of the good news. Jesus is telling those who have trusted in him, you have peace. Not because of you, but because of me. Because I am the victor. That's what he says. You have peace. There's no, more, there's no greater nor more real reality than this peace that Jesus pronounces to them. This peace is exactly what he came to accomplish. And now it has been accomplished, finished, done. But let's be honest. That's not how we always feel, right? Like maybe even in this Thanksgiving season, you have not felt peace Far from it. Maybe for some of you, you're in such throes of life right now, you can barely even hear the words that I'm saying this morning. Like you're, you're sitting there going, I know he's talking about mission, but I'm dealing with this. This. Can't hear this because I'm so overwhelmed with this. And I could go through a list of the things that I know people are sitting here dealing with this morning. And so I'm looking at you saying, let. Jesus' words settle in your heart. Let them settle. Jesus doesn't offer you a kind sentiment like I might do this morning if we talk. Jesus offers you a bold declaration, much like The one he pronounced over the storm and the wind and waves stopped. I want you to know that our king, our victorious king, doesn't offer up mere words. Our king speaks and things happen. That's the power he has. And for the enemy that tells you he doesn't have that power today, he's a liar. And he's been a liar since Genesis. And he's still a liar today. His words, Jesus' words this morning, can bring your heart peace. They can. I believe that more than I believe anything else in this world. I'm not saying that your circumstances are going to change, that you're going to be pulled out of what you're dealing with. In fact, that's not even what Jesus said. Jesus said, in this world, you will have much tribulation. You will. You will have much tribulation. You will deal with things that are beyond your control. You'll deal with things and you'll suffer for things that you directly did not bring on yourself. You'll even suffer for my name's sake by doing good and honoring me. You'll have much tribulation. But take heart. Take heart. I've overcome the world. That's where our hope is. Not in ourselves to overcome the trials in our life, but the fact that Jesus has perfectly overcome this world. And one day he will return and bring us home, and we will reign victoriously with him. Those who have lost and lost and lost and lost will then be winners forever because of Christ's victory. That's what's going to happen. He can bring this kind of peace to your heart because he is the prince of peace. He perfectly embodies peace. He rules in a kingdom of peace. So if that's not what you're feeling this morning, then I would beckon you. I would plead with you to draw near to him, to cry out to him, To confess your sin to him. To rejoice in him, even in the tears. And join him on mission. Join him on mission. You see, this is one of the biggest disconnects in the Christian life. Those who call on the name of Jesus try and rest in him without joining him in the work that he's doing. And the excuses are without number of why we're not joining him on this work. I have too much going on. I can't afford it. I couldn't go there. I can't do that. How can I help others when I'm a wreck? Church, we can make these kind of excuses thinking that they are valid and legitimate when, listen to me, In all actuality, it's these excuses that keep us from the peace that Christ offers us. It's these excuses that keep us from the peace that Christ offers. For peace is not found in a quiet room. Peace is not found in the absence of tough circumstances. Peace is only found when we abide in Christ. Peace is only found... When we remain with him in the trenches, when we remain with him as he leads us into a life of sacrifice, following Jesus will never be easy. Like, Ethan, I want you to hear that. Ann, I want you to hear that. Taylor, I want you to hear that. Church, I want you to hear that. Following Jesus will never be Easy. but it will bring your heart the peace that it is so desperately searching for that's it so today today we celebrate Ethan Taylor and Anna who have all rejected the many excuses why they shouldn't go where Christ is calling them right now. Today we celebrate Christ's work in you, Grace Fellowship, as you've played your part in loving them, discipling them, encouraging them, and providing for them to be obedient to Christ's call on their life. And can I just speak to to everyone in the room? Um, I truly believe that we have the privilege of being part of a church that if God is calling you to take a step out and go or do or begin something for His name, this church will support you. We will. So do not ever let logistics or anything keep you from being obedient to Christ's call. I can't think of a better way to begin the Advent season than Jesus' pronouncement of peace (laughs) and the sending of his people into the world. And church, now we get the awesome privilege of responding to these glorious words from Jesus by receiving his communion. So Carlton Brown is going to come and help us respond.